Well, good morning, church. Those of you here, those of you online, those of you listening to this uh, message. And I hope you are enjoying this unusual series with all these strange and weird stories. Are you enjoying it? Are you getting something out of it? <laughs> well, today is the last message on our series, uh, Stranger Stories Season 2. And today, our story in uh, part four, this story today would be funny if it wasn't so tragic. Hmm? It is called A Tale of Two Prophets. A Tale of Two Prophets. And it involves two prophets, a lion and a donkey. All right? And only God can bring all these things together like that, okay? And uh, like all the previous stories we've heard in this series, they are in the Bible for a reason. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Four things. Whenever you're reading your Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, be alert to these four things. Any one of them or a combination of them will come to you as you are reading Scripture. It could be doctrine. In, in other words, it is useful for teaching what is true. Where we live in a day and age where everybody seems to have their own truth. In fact, you hear this, your truth, my truth, has become a little catchphrase now, you know. And, and so everybody lives according to what they believe is right and what they believe is true. But there is such a thing as absolute truth, you see. In nature, you have absolute laws. For example, if I step out of the stage here, which way do you think I'm going to go, up or down? Why? No, no, that's your truth, man. My truth is I want to go up. So I'm going to go up. Watch. <laughs> now, I don't care how much faith I've got. I don't care how much I fast and I pray and how I behave myself according to Scripture. If I step off this stage, I'm going to go only one way because it is an absolute law called gravity which is going to pull me down. And in every area of life, there are absolute laws. Morality, spiritual laws, uh, universal laws, relationship laws. There is truth. And truth is contained in the Word of God. And so as you read your Bible, it is useful to, for teaching us what is true. Now, you may not agree with it, and many people don't agree with what the Bible teaches. But one day, all of us are going to be judged by the truth of the Bible. And we'll get to that a bit later because in today's story, a couple of our characters ignored the truth of God. And, and you're going to find out as we see today's story, you're going to be very grateful and very thankful that you are living in the age of grace and not in the time of the law. Because in the time of the law, God executed the judgments rather quickly. Much quicker than he does right now. We live in a period of grace now where God is reserving his judgment for the end. And so some of us, we think, oh, like God, I can do anything I want to do because God's not going to punish me. La, la, la. And we get away with so much. Be grateful for God's grace. Be grateful also that Jesus paid the full price of all our sins. That Jesus satisfied the demands of the wrath of God and the justice of God. And therefore, in Jesus, you can quickly be forgiven and quickly be restored without having to go through the judgment process. Be very grateful. I think some of these stories, you've seen what happens. And in this story, you're going to see as well what happens when the wrath of God is kindled, okay? So, doctrine, useful for teaching us what is true. It's good for reproof. It is useful for correcting our mistakes, you know, we, we think we're doing life right until we come to the Word of God and we read something that says, oops, I, I'm, I'm not living like that. Well, it's there to correct our mistakes. And so align your life with the Word of God. Okay, none of us are born knowing everything. And remember, we are born with a tendency to sin. That's, that's what sinful nature is all about. Because we are born in a broken world, we are broken ourselves, we live in a broken society. So our natural tendency 
is to do what others do. Our natural tendency is to sin. And you see this with babies, toddlers. Leave two toddlers alone. And before you know it, they're going to be hammering each other and taking each other's toys. And you know, because it's in our nature. We are not naturally programmed to love. No. And so we need to learn from the word of God what we are supposed to do and then make choices to do what the word of God says. And then it's also for correction. In other words, it is useful for making our lives whole again. Corrections or adjustments. As I find that my life is getting messed up, I come to the word of God and I hear, as I find out truth and I found out, you know, the mistakes I'm making, then the word of God teaches me how to make adjustments in my life. And guys, listen, all of us are going to be making adjustments until the day Jesus comes or the day we go to Jesus because we all or let's put it this way, none of us are perfect. We all are failures in one way or the other. We all have weaknesses. We all make mistakes. Sometimes we don't want to, but we do it anyway. The great apostle Paul, what did he say? Oh, the good I want to do, I don't do it. The evil I don't want to do, I end up doing it. And that was Paul, man. You know, like the guy who saw Jesus revealed to him. What about the apostles? Those guys walked with Jesus, man. They saw the miracles. They saw the resurrection. They were there. And they still made mistakes. And so don't think you and I are better than those guys. And that's why we need the word of God. And you need to be alert and attentive so that we can make adjustments so that our lives can be whole again and be the way God wants it to be. And the word of God is good for instruction. It is useful for training us to do what is right. And so... In all the stories you've heard, and in, in, in the story you're going to hear today, and in all the stories of the Bible, the better known ones and the lesser known ones, the ones you probably never heard of until this series came along, all those stories are there for a reason. And they're all profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction. So be alert today as you hear. See if any of these four things are going to touch your life. And it's going to touch our lives in different ways. You know, we are all in different stages in our growth, different aspects and so on. And so the word of God is going to touch us in different ways. Be alert, be listening. And so before we dive into today's story, I want to remind you of something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Jesus said the following, put, the, put God's kingdom first. Do what he wants you to do. Then all of those things will also be given to you. You probably know this verse in the King James Version. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All right? In other words, put God's kingdom first. Do what he wants you to do. And then the other things we need for life and in life, God will add to you. All right? But it starts with him. In other words, to put God's kingdom first means to submit to his authority. Submit to the authority of God. He's a supreme authority, man. And so we need to be submitted to his authority. Listen, in a kingdom, in a real kingdom, all right, in a real kingdom, what the king says is law. And when the king says something, don't go, oh, but king, the constitution says, the king says, hey, 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 shh, huh? Huh? I have spoken, let it be written, let it be done. Okay, and if I might change my mind tomorrow, you do what I tell you to do tomorrow. Because that's how kings rule. And that's why throughout history, back in the time of the kingdoms, both in biblical times and in other areas of other times, when a king was a good king, the people thrived. Because he made the wrong, uh, right choices, his laws and whatever he wanted people to do brought life to his kingdom. But when a, kingdom, a king was bad, man, then it was very bad because everybody suffered. Everybody suffered, you know. Now, God is good, amen? And so when you submit the authority of God and his kingdom, you're submitting to something which is good. Might not look good at first. Like, you know, when you're a kid and your parents say, eat your vegetables, and you think, man, if you loved me, you don't tell me to do that. But it was good for you, wasn't it? They know you need the nutrition that comes from those vegetables. And sometimes God asks us to eat vegetables, and you say, God, if you love me, you'd give me pudding, not vegetables. But God knows, the king knows what is good for you. 
and we are supposed to submit to his authority. All right? You don't argue with a king. You obey a king. Now, with this in mind, and remembering that in the Old Testament times, the Jewish people were God's people, and they were supposed to be submitted to God, okay? Keeping this in mind, we go to today's story, which you will find in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 13. Chapter 13. Now, in Kings chapter 13, we are back in Bethel. Remember two weeks ago we spoke about Bethel? Bethel, which means house of God, except the people that lived in Bethel worshipped idols. All right? So, yes, the, and, and, and uh, you know, the, the king of that area was Jeroboam. King Jeroboam had led the people into idolatry. All right? So, we're back at Bethel. We're under King Jeroboam. And um, he has led the people of God into idolatry. What happened? Um, background to Jeroboam. After King Solomon died, his son was appointed as king. Now, Solomon had built a great kingdom. I mean, people came from all over the world to, to see the kingdom. They came to Jerusalem and surrounding areas. It was a marvel. But it came at a price because Solomon kind of asked for a lot of taxes for the people to keep that massive kingdom going. When his son came into, in, became a king, um, his advisor said, listen, just, just drop the taxes a little bit because, you know, um, the people are suffering. But the king had a couple of pallies, you know, a couple of buddies, you know, and, and, and they said, nah, come on, put up the taxes. We, we need more money. Put up the taxes. And he did that. He put up the taxes. You see, when a king is bad, things go bad for everybody. And so he put up the taxes for the whole reign. Now, remember, Israel was a massive king. All 12 tribes were, in, were the, the, the nation of Israel. And so this king then, he uh, put up the taxes and... Ten of the tribes, all the northern tribes, ten tribes, they rebelled against this king. There's no way. We've had it. No more. We're not having any more taxes. And so what they did is they rebelled against him and they chose Jeroboam as their king. They just appointed him. He had been an official and so on. So they appointed Jeroboam as their king. And Jeroboam is a man who had been promised Ten kingdoms and had been promised that God would prosper him. God knew what was coming. And they told him, you get ready, you're going to get ten kingdoms. And so when the people rebelled against Solomon's son, they appointed Jeroboam as king. Now, the kingdom of Israel has become now two kingdoms. Got the lower part with Judah and Benjamin, two tribes at the bottom. And that's where Jerusalem was. And then in the north, a long piece like that, was the other ten tribes. And of course, King Jeroboam didn't want the people going down to Jerusalem to worship because he was afraid they're going to go down there. They're going to be influenced to go back to the old king, go back to the old ways. And so he did something very clever. He says, you know what, guys? You don't need to go to Jerusalem to worship anymore. We're going to, have some, we're going to build some worship centers right here on our northern kingdom. And so the northern kingdom was called Israel. The bottom kingdom was called the Judah, where Jerusalem was. And so in Israel, in the ten kingdoms, he built Two worship centers, one at Bethel, and one right in the north in a place called Dan. And he created statues resembling a calf made out of gold. All right? And he said, people, come and worship. This is your God. He's the one that took you out of Egypt. Come and worship. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. Come and worship here. And then he just appointed people. Whoever wants to become a priest, he appointed them as priests over these worship centers. And then on every high hill, he made like little places of worship and so on. He appointed priests right, left, and center. Except God had said priests can only come out of the tribe of Levi. Only Levites can be priests. The rest of you guys, you go and worship at the temple. So this King Jeremiah says, nah, why, man? Why, 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 <laughs> why? Huh? We've got so many people, I want to just make them priests. And off they went, and, they, they, and he started appointing them as, as, uh, as priests. So he led them into idolatry. And of course, the people began to follow his lead, and they began to worship these golden calves instead of going down to Jerusalem to worship the real living God. 
And it's incredible. God had so clearly spoken to them. Remember the king? He gave his orders. God gave them the rules. This is how you must worship. This is who you worship. This is how you worship. And, 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 and they quite happily just changed their minds. And they begin to worship these golden calves at Bethel and at Dan. Well, soon God sent a messenger to expose what Jeroboam has done. And this is where our story starts. 1 Kings chapter 13. We're going to read from verse 1 to 3. It says, by the way of the, the Lord, by the word of the Lord, a man of God. We don't know who this man was. He's just called a man of God. He was a prophet, a man of God. But his name is unmentioned. We don't know his background. You know nothing about him. But the word of the Lord, a man of God, came from Judah, okay, down in the, in the south, uh, came from Judah to Bethel, house of God, <clears throat> as Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. So the king is himself making an offering by this golden altar of a calf. He's about to make this offering when this guy walks in. And by the word of the Lord, this guy cried out against the altar. He doesn't speak to the king. He ignores the king completely. He walks in, looks at the altar, and he begins to proclaim what God told him. And he says, altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. Huh? On you, altar, he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here. And human bones will be burned on you. <laughs> Gory. I mean, that will completely desecrate any altar. I mean, having human bones, they are sacrifice, okay? And so he speaks to the altar. And that same day, the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar that he's speaking to, the altar will be split apart and the ashes on it will be poured out. Can you picture this? There's the king making a sacrifice. Okay, it's idolatrous. So he's making a sacrifice and this guy walks in like a lunatic. Altar, altar, rah, 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 rah. of course, the king was furious. You don't interrupt the king when he's going through his ceremonies, right? The king was furious, so he stretched his hands out towards the prophet, commanding the gods to seize him. But look what happened. End of verse four. But the hand he stretched out towards the man shriveled up, so he could not pull it back. Huh? Wow! Happened immediately. So the guys, the king is mad. He goes, seize him. And I can't move his hands. Also, while this is going on, the altar was split apart and the ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God, by the word of the Lord. Huh? Can you picture this? The guy's committing idolatry, sinning against God. The prophet comes in and Talks all this about the altar that, you know, people are going to be sacrificed. The high priests are going to be sacrificed in this altar because it's against the word of God. The king gets mad. He sticks his hand out to tell him to seize him. You know, probably kill him, you know. And his hand shrivels up. He can't do a thing with it. And then, as the man had said, the altar breaks up. All the ashes. The king was shocked. I mean, wouldn't you be if you're the king? Huh? And you know you're sinning against God because you know the law, you know the history, you know what, what your people is or what you should be. So the king, he got a fright, was shocked at what happened to him. What does he do? He asked the man of God to intercede for him. When all this happens and his hand is so shriveled up, he can't do anything, he says, pray for me, intercede for him, for me that God may save me. And the man of God does that. He prays to God and asks God to, you know, be gentle with the king. And God does that. The king was healed. His arm got back into normal again. Listen, even in the times of the law, in the dispensation of the law, when God would exact justice so frequently and so harshly sometimes, even there, his grace was present. Even there, 
His mercy was shown over and over and over again. And here's another example. This king is blatantly sinning against God, disregarding God. The prophet, the man of God, comes in, speaks over the Lord, and he wants to seize the guy, destroy the guy. God judges the king immediately. The man prays for him, and, the God, and God heals him. He sees, experiences the power of God. Hmm. It was a good opportunity for the king to repent, wasn't it? <laughs> And, and so when the king got restored, he, he, he invites this man, this prophet, you know, come with me. Let, let, let's have a meal together. I, I want to give you a gift. He's so thankful that he's back to normal again. His life is being restored. And so he invites the man for a meal and to give him a, a gift. And, and being the king, I'm sure there's going to be a nice gift, you know, after all he's gone through. Listen to this. Verse 8. Look what the, what the prophet answers. He says, even if you were to give me half your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. Huh. For, listen, I was commanded by the word of the Lord. Say word of the Lord. I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. He was given clear instructions when you go to Bethel, when you get there, you don't drink there, you don't eat there, you don't come by the same way you went in, you go out of the way, give my word and get out. He was clearly instructed by God. And so, he took another road and did not return by the way he had come to Bethel. Huh? <laughs> Interesting, eh? And so this guy, first of all, he does not speak to the king. He speaks to the altar. Because the prophecy is for the altar, about the altar. All right? Then he brings a prophecy. And to back that prophecy up, he shows a sign to prove that he's bringing the word of the Lord. It reminds me of when Moses went to Egypt to take the people out of Egypt. He, he went to the king and says, God has given me a word, but to prove to you that God has given me the word, here are a couple of signs. And he began to give signs, you know, like nine of them. And, and every time he gave a sign, the king goes, wow, okay, you may go. Oh, no, no, you may not. Another sign, no, ah, okay, okay, you may go. And no, 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 you may not. After nine signs... God says to Moses, no, this one is going to get you. The tenth one is going to work. And that's then when the firstborn were taken. A very harsh judgment upon Egypt. But God had given them lots of chances, didn't they? And by the way, those, those ten plagues didn't happen in ten days. It took weeks, man. It took plenty of time for the king and the people to consider what God is doing. That there is a God. That he's speaking to them. That he's trying to show mercy. That he, 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 the people must do something about this Israel. Just let them go. But they ignored the word of the Lord. And then, of course, the judgment came upon Egypt. And this is very similar. He, he speaks the word of God and then he shows a sign. And, and notice this prophet's determination to obey exactly what God told him. Not even when tempted by the king's invitation. Guys, it's not some guy, it's the king inviting you to go and eat. And you must remember, back in those days, the best food was to be found where? At the palace, at the king's table. And the best gifts would come from where? From the king. And this poor guy comes all the way from Judah, traveling, blah, 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 and he gets there and he does his thing. The guy must have been tired and hungry and he could do with a good meal at the palace. He could do with a gift. But he says, no, God spoke to me. He has the word. I've given the word. Goodbye. And he's gone. Hmm. Now, in Bethel, at Bethel, living at Bethel, there was another prophet. Because you must remember, not everybody in Bethel were worshiping God. There were still remnants of the people. There were, there were people that believed in the, in the true God, that served him, and they had remained living over there. Obviously, I'm sure that they're 
their, their relationship with God had weakened a bit because when you don't live in fellowship with the like-minded people, your faith does cool off. That's why I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad you guys are, are watching online. I'm glad you guys are listening to this audio. At least you're together. You, you, we're together in fellowship around the word. We need one another to continue firing up, challenging each other, and keeping each other accountable as we follow the Lord. We need company as we follow the Lord. Otherwise, this world just comes in upon us and pulls us away, man. Our friends, the, the, the ways of the world, the philosophies of the world, the ways of thinking of the world, the morality of the world infiltrates us and we begin to lose touch with the word of God. And this is what I was happening. There was an old prophet there, an old man. And when his sons came home and told him what had happened at the worship's place, man, the old man insisted on knowing where did this man go to? So the sons told him which way he went. So the old man jumps on his little donkey and off he goes. After he wants to go and talk to this prophet, meet this prophet. And so we pick up from verse 14 where he meets the man of God. And so in 1 Kings 13, 14 to 19, it says he rode, the old man rode after the man of God. He found him sitting under an oak tree, resting obviously, and he asked, Are you the man of God who came to Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, come home with me and eat. What is this? <laughs> huh? The guy has just been invited by the king to eat in Bethel, but because the word of God said no. And now he has another, another invitation. Is it an invitation or is it a temptation? Listen, guys, we must be careful, eh? Because sometimes in our lives, today still, we think it's an invitation, but we must discern because sometimes an invitation is actually a temptation. We have to think, is, is this what God has called me to do? <laughs> All right. Is this what God said? Am I allowed to do this? Are you the man? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, come home with me and eat. The man of God said, I cannot turn back and go with you. Huh? Nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. Now listen to this. And he says, I have been told by the word of the Lord. Say word of the Lord. I have been told by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way you came. The old prophet answered, son, I too am a prophet. As you are. And an angel said to me, by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. Can you believe this? You see what happened when, when, when all you do is associate with with worldly stuff when you're not in, in fellowship with God, it's easy for you to begin to lie so that you can get your way. He wanted this guy to come. Obviously, you know, he's, he wants to have some fellowship with another prophet. You know, wants to hear news. I don't know. And, and so he even lies now to get this guy. But listen to what he says. The old man says, he says, I to my prophet and an angel said to me, okay, catch this. And so the man of God returned with him and ate and drank in his house. This is such a sad, sad sentence. All right? The man of God returned with him and ate and drank in his house. This is so sad, people. Why is this a sad sentence? Well, first of all, because the old prophet, he lied. He lied. And, and the man of God who had heard the instruction from God and had been obedient to it all the way, now, I mean, he even rejected the invitation of the king. So obedient he was to the word of God. Now he gives years to another man who says he had heard from an angel. 
Huh? The man of God from Judah, he heard from God, the word of the Lord. The prophet heard about, heard an angel, or says he heard an angel. Come on, guys. Angel, God, which one carries more weight? Huh? An angel from God. L- l- listen to what Paul says, Apostle Paul, in Galatians 1, verse 8. He says, But even if we, the apostles, or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one preached to you, let them be under God's curse. Oof. Yeah. that? What Jesus taught, what Jesus preached, the gospel, what the word of God says, what's in the word of God, the revealed will of God. Paul said, if an angel, if we start talking something else other than what Jesus said or what is in the word of God, if we bring another gospel, another word, another message, or even if an angel of heaven brings another message, let him, the angel or that person, be under God's curse. To be under God's curse means to be brought under the judgment of God. And believe me, you do not want to be under the judgment of God. That's why we need Jesus in our lives. That's why we need grace in our lives. That's why we need salvation in our lives. So that we don't have to go through the judgment of God. Amen? And so this man, he, he, he commits this. He's heard from God. And now he gives this to a man who said an angel spoke to him. So the young prophet is not even being confronted by an angel. He's being confronted by a man who says an angel. And he was lying, Rochel, man. Hmm. And folks, listen to me. Listen to me. This is an ancient story, right? But it is so relevant today. So relevant today. There are so many people, so many Christians, and even some unbelievers. They follow so-called prophets or apostles. Because these guys, they say things which tickle the ears. It sounds nice. It sounds exciting. They say things that they receive from angels and they had visions and and what they say does not line up with the word of God, but because they are prophets and they are apostles and they've seen angels and God told me. People go, oh, really? What must I do? What must I do? Over decades, I have seen this happening. In different parts of the world. This is not a South African problem. It's a worldwide problem. I've seen pastors, prophets in America promoting shower caps. You send me a donation to this address. We'll send you a blessed shower cap. My hand is printed on it. And every time you shower, you put the shower cap on, the blessing of the Lord will be upon your head. Do you know how many people sent him for shower caps? <laughs> At least we're taking showers, right? I'm sure it took more often because of more blessing, you know. In Pretoria, once there was a guy, yeah, he got people to sell their homes and give him the money. Because he's, you know, it's the end time. Jesus is coming. We have to do the work of the Lord. So come on, guys. We are it. This is the church. My church. The, yeah, this, the, we are what, what God has chosen us to bring the gospel to the, to the city and to the nation. So come on, guys. Go and sell your homes. Bring me the money. We're going to spread the gospel. And I know people who did this. They went to live in the caravan park here in Mayville. Lost their homes, lost everything. And after a while, the man of God disappeared. How can people, you know, where in the word of God, where's the spirit of God? Where's the leading of God? Where's, 
Where's the accountability? And of course, we've heard in more recent times, there are these, these prophets that ask you for 5,000 rand to do a prayer. When I heard that, says, man, I've got to change my ministry, man. I've, I've, got, to, I've got to up my... <laughs> and guys spraying doom and asking people to eat grass. And, and people are doing it because the man of God said, you must do it. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. <laughs> So let's not laugh too much at this guy because if we are not careful, we could fall in the same trap. If you're standing, beware, lest you fall. And that's why we must stay close to the word of God and close to God. And that's why we need the word. Those four things I mentioned at the beginning, we need to be constantly under the word of God, under the authority of God, and looking at those four things in our lives so that we don't fall trapped. Into these guys' traps. You don't fall prey to these traps that people set up for us. Huh? Wow, man. But people today, they're still following people. They, you know, they, they've got no discernment of what is contrary to God's word. And so the man of God agrees to come back to Bethel and dine at the old prophet's house. In direct disobedience to God's clear command. And now... The, if the, the story is strange up till now, but now it really starts to get strange. First Kings 13, 20 to 22. While, now watch this. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet. Would you believe it? To the liar. Okay. God spoke to the liar to speak to the young guy. All right. The word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back. And he cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord. And you have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God gave you. You came back and you ate bread and you drank water in the place where he told you not to eat and drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. In other words... You ain't going to get back home alive, baby. Now, is this weird or what? The same prophet who lied to the younger prophet now gets a word from the Lord, accusing him of disobeying the word of God. This old man, he lies to him, entices him, gets into his home, and now he tells him, you fool, you disobeyed God. Isn't that typical of the world today, the world out there? Huh? They know much of what the Bible says. But they tempt the believers to break the law anyway. And when a believer breaks the law, they accuse them. Even if you're not a believer, the world tempts you to gamble. Gamble, gamble, gamble. And when you gamble and you get addicted, they accuse you. Oh, you're an addict. How can you? Why didn't you control yourself? Huh? They put up all these posters, all these signs. Drink, 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 drink alcohol, drink lots of it, lots, lots, lots. And then when a person becomes an alcoholic, sits on you, man. How can you? Why don't you control yourself? How can you do this? How can you? There's an institution there for you. The world pushes you to the edge and then they laugh at you. And accuse, accuse you. But so it happens as well with believers. Where, where people that know that you are a Christian, they'll, they'll challenge you, man. Ah, you're a Christian, eh? And so they'll push you. They'll push you. They'll push you. And then one day, that word slips out. That word you know you shouldn't be speaking. And they say, ah, I thought you were a Christian. But look what you said. I thought you were a Christian. But look what you did. Na, 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 na. And they seem to take pleasure in watching us fail. Hello? Are you learning anything today? You see a reflection. The word of God is like a mirror. You can see you know, the reality around us when you study the word of God. And it's, 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 it's supposed to teach us and enable us to be alert to these things. And Paul said that whoever listens to deceitful words would be under the judgment of God. And that's what's happening with the young prophet over here. He listened to deceit. 
He accepted the seat. He chose the word of a man who heard of an angel over what he heard from the Lord. You never exchange what you heard from God. You never exchange what you read in the Bible for what anybody says. I don't care how many visions he's had. I don't care if he walks on water and walks on fire and tells the Lord, tell him, tell, told him this. If what he says doesn't match up the word of God, you say, foot sack, I'm not going to listen to you. Excuse the word. But that's exactly what you use. <laughs> Amen? Ay, 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 ay. So this man now, he gets this one. He would not live to get back home, to die there and be buried with his ancestors. <laughs> it's strange that a so-called old prophet who lied to the younger man of God now speaks the words of the Lord. There's a lesson over here. Just because someone may be used of God sometimes hmm, does not make them a genuine prophet or a genuine leader. Listen. If God could use a donkey to prophesy, remember back in Balaam? If he could use a donkey to speak his words, he can use anybody, right? Mm. I have heard testimonies of guys who are totally drunk, in a bar, totally drunk, totally motherless. And while he's like that, he begins to talk to the other guys, and he remembers stuff from Sunday school. He begins to preach to all the other drunkards in the bar. Preach the word of God. And these guys are listening. And then he himself, while he was preaching, he sobered up, and he listened for the first time to those words and actually applied them. He got born again in the bar while he was drunk, while he was speaking the word of God. Strange things can happen, people. When you listen to the word of God. But anyway. So God can use anyone. See the gifts of the spirit are not yours. And the gifts of the spirit are not for you. Often, oh, I, oh I, I've got the gift of healing. Oh I've got the gift. Oh I've got the gift. You've got nothing man. It's, the, it's called the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he may choose to use you. To manifest one of those gifts. But those gifts are not for you either. The gift is for the person that you're ministering to. And, and so if God gives me a word for the brother of a year, it's not my gift. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit just using me as a mouthpiece to say something to him. It's his gift for his benefit. I just happen to be the vessel. Next, else. That's all. And God can use you to operate in any of his gifts, anytime he wants you. Do not feel proud about it. Feel humbled and feel blessed and feel, be glad about it. Hello? We get so confused. And then we exalt people. Oh, he's got this, he's got that. Man, oh, let's not go there today. Now, here is the real strange part of the story. So this man now has received this word while he's having his meal and drinking his water, whatever he was drinking. He gets this warning. But he can't stay in bed, so he's got to go home. So the old prophet lends him his donkey, gives him his donkey, go home. <laughs> Take my donkey, goodbye, go. And so he goes. Kings, 1 Kings 13, 23 to 25. Here's the real strange part of the story. When the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the prophet who had brought him back settled his donkey for him. 24. As he went on his way, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his body was left lying on the road with both the donkey and the lion standing beside it. Is that strange? Just like that. So he, as he leaves Bethel, as he's in the wilderness, boom, lion jumps in, kills him. But doesn't eat him. Just leaves him there. And then the lion stands next to the body. And the donkey stands on the other side of the body. And they both sit over there in wake of this guy, dead prophet. Some people who passed by saw the body lying there with, with the lion standing beside the body. And they went ahead and reported it in the city where the old prophet lived. Now, you know, this could be funny, even cute, if it wasn't so tragic, right? Imagine a lion and a donkey. Next to the guy. Would be nice if the guy was alive, no? If he was just sitting over there, you know, having a cool drink, you know, and the lion and the donkey, and people going by, and they go, hello. <laughs> and they, 
you know, and the, the animals wag their tails, you know. That'd be a nice tale, you know, to, to talk, you know. But no, this was rather tragic. We have a wake, a dead body with a lion and a donkey watching over it. The Bible says the lion does not eat the body, does not attack the donkey, nor anyone who passes by. The donkey had no fear of the lion and does not trot away. He just parks over there. Now, we see here, guys, very quickly, a demonstration of God's sovereignty, not just of the judgment of God. And that's why I'm saying, aren't you glad God is patient and takes long before he executes his judgment? Otherwise, half of us wouldn't be here today, and the other half would be maimed. Okay, never mind. Let's... <laughs> All right, we see a demonstration of God's sovereignty. He's the creator, and he controls his creation. Here, after using the lion as an instrument of his judgment upon that younger prophet, he suspended the natural instincts of the lion to eat and to attack. And he suspended the donkey's instinct to run away, to trot away. And they both just peacefully sit over there, passively. And watch the body. And then when the body was removed, the lion did not attack the people that came to remove the body. He just walked away. And the donkey went home. <laughs> All right? Yeah. Now listen, if, if this is possible, then it shows us that what the Bible has to say about a future where a lion, a wolf, a lamb, leopard, goat, calf will all live together peacefully can indeed come true. If a lion and a donkey can peacefully stand wake over a dead body, then all these animals can one day live peacefully together too because God is in control of his creation. Hello? Let's get back to our story. When the old prophet heard about this, he went to fetch the body of the younger prophet. He mourned his death and buried him in his own tomb. The old man's tomb. And then he left instructions for his sons to bury him when he died, to bury him right next to the prophet. He wanted his bones to be with the bones of the prophet. Because, he said in verse 32, for the message the man declared by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines on the high places in the towns of Samaria will certainly come true. This old man is a believer now. He believes it. Now he, he knows this is going to happen. And he wants to be right there. His bones next to the old man's bones because he knows this guy spoke the truth. He wants to be close to this prophet. And it did come true, people. About 300 years later, this prophecy came true. It was literally fulfilled by King Josiah of Judea. And you can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 23. It'll make an interesting Sunday afternoon read for you. Okay, chapter 23 of 2 Kings. And then in verse 17 of that chapter, we read that as King Josiah was burning bones at the altar, and what he did, he literally went to the tombs, and he fetched dead people's bones, and he burned them on the altar at Bethel, just like the young man had said it would happen. And as he was doing that, he came upon the tomb where these two prophets were, were buried. And he says that the king asked, what, what's, what's that stone on that grave over there? And the men of the city said, it marks the tomb where the body of a man of God is buried. He came from Judah and he spoke against the altar at Bethel. He announced the very things that you have done to it. The people of Bethel never forgot what this man said. 300 years later, there are still people in Bethel who remember what happened. And the word that was spoken against that altar. Hmm? And so the king left that grave alone. Now, the prophecy of this unknown prophet, because we're not given his name, it came true. The man may have spoken the words, but the words came from God. They came from the Lord. And when God speaks, it will come to pass. So don't laugh when, when what God says doesn't happen in your lifetime. It might not happen in your lifetime. It took 300 years for this word to come about. But what God speaks will come to pass. What God says may take days to happen, may take weeks, months, years, decades, centuries, or even thousands of years. There are some prophecies spoken like 3,000 years ago that are still going to be fulfilled when Jesus returns. 
other, many other prophecies have been fulfilled already. But the word of the Lord will come to pass, even if it takes time. Now, now concluding the chapter and our story for today, I wish I could say that after seeing these things, that King Jeroboam repented and he and his house served the Lord. But the opposite is true. Verses 33 and 34. Even after this, after all these things happened, Jeroboam did not change his evil ways, but once more appointed priests for the high places from all sorts of peoples. Anyone who wanted to become a priest, he consecrated for the high places. This was the son of the house of Jeroboam that led to its downfall and to its destruction from the face of the earth. Not only was Jeroboam judged, his whole household, his whole descendants, they were wiped out from the earth because of his continued sin against God. Now listen, this is sad, eh? So sad after all he saw. Now some people say, Seeing is believing, <laughs> you know, or if people see miracles and signs, it will bring them to the Lord. Uh, not so. I've known people who have seen amazing signs. It, that thing didn't bring them to the Lord. A guy was brought back from the dead. That miracle didn't bring him to the Lord. Much later, he came to the Lord, but not because God brought him back from the dead. You know, so it's not that. It still comes down to your choice. And this story proves this point and so many other stories. It comes down to your choice. Who do you choose to serve? That is the question. Who do you choose to serve? The God of the Bible or yourself, your desires, your pleasures, your comforts, your popularity, your power, your wealth. And for some, they even choose to serve the devil blatantly rather than serve God. Who do you choose to serve? We have to answer that question, guys. Who am I serving? Another thing, listen, important. No matter how faithful you think you are, listen to me, God will test your faithfulness to the kingdom, your faithfulness to his authority, your faithfulness to his values. You find this throughout the word of God. Every single great person of God was tested. Moses, Joseph, go across him. This prophet, this was a test. And he failed it. And he was judged for that. We all. Jesus. Come on. Jesus was tested. What do you think that temptation was? That was his test. And then throughout his life, he kept on being tested. People kept on coming to him and, if you're going to follow God, settle this fact. You are going to be tested. And the more God wants to use you, the more God wants to do in you and through you, the more you're going to be tested. Learn to live with that. <laughs> ah, yeah. Your reactions to your tests will reveal your true motives and will reveal your heart. Where is your heart? A test is a mirror. You see a reaction that is not in accordance. When you see a reaction, it's not in accordance with the word of God. You can choose to change or you can harden your heart and do worse, like King Jeroboam did. That was his test. This altar thing, not only was the warning of God, but it was a test for him. Because remember, the prophet didn't speak to the king. The prophet spoke to the altar. But the king was there. He heard every word. He saw that altar split, and just like the, the man said. And then he tried to react against the prophet. He got sick. The Lord forgave him, healed him. What a wonderful opportunity. That was a test. What are you going to do now, Rehoboam? You've, you've seen the power of God. You've heard the word of the Lord. What are you going to do now? And then you saw the judgment upon the man of God who disobeyed the word of God. You saw the judgment. What are you going to do now, Jeroboam? And he chose to continue in his sinful ways. Listen, at every test point, you either step up or you step down. You, you know, you can, you can draw like a, you draw a, like a, like a, a, a you know, a, a line and you've got a test point. You're either going to go up or you're going to go down. It, it, it depends on, on your choice. And every time you encounter a test, if you do the word of the Lord, you go up to the next level. 
If you don't do the, the, the Lord, you disobey, you do your own will, you step down. And you're going to be tested again because you're going to keep on going around this mountain. You're going to be tested over and over and over again. So you are past. Does that mean that uh, you've been tested in your life? You better believe me, I have. Are you, are you still being tested, pastor? Oh, yeah. As long as I'm breathing, I will be tested. Because my life ain't over yet. My mission ain't over yet. And so until I finish my run, like, you know, Paul said, I finished the race. Until my race is over, I am going to be tested over and over and over and over again. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Every time you come to a test point, if you make the right choice, you know, and you choose God's ways, you go up. And because you go up, it becomes easier at the next point to make the right choice again. Not easy, easier. Because it's never easy, believe me. And so you could go, you know, going up and going up all the time. Or you can make a choice and choose your own will and you go down. When you go down, it, it, that means you, you, you pamper your ego, you reinforce your bad behavior, and the next test is going to be even more difficult to make the right choice because you've trained yourself to disobey the Lord, and it will be easier to go down again. So you might either have a downward spiral or an upward spiral. The choice is yours. The good news is that any time you can choose to start going up. It's our choice, and the grace of God is there. And Jesus died to give us the ability to do that. The Holy Spirit is with us here today to enable us to make the right choices and to go up instead of go down. Amen? God may test you. People around you may test you to see if you really are who you say you are. God may use friends, family, work colleagues, or church leaders to test you. Even the devil may test you. It's called temptation. Amen? All right? So be aware of it. But listen, God's judgments will always come. Sometimes sooner, as in the case of the younger prophet. Sometimes later, as in the case of King Jeroboam. We can be glad that we live in the time of grace where Jesus has satisfied the wrath of God. Therefore, we don't see God pouring his wrath and judgment as we see in the times of the Old Testament. God is patient. And he's delaying his judgment upon the earth so that people may have time to repent. Amen? And be saved. Hallelujah. It is his desire that all should be saved, that no one should be lost. And salvation comes by choosing to follow Jesus. But eventually, judgment will come. God's wrath will be poured out upon the earth, upon the children of disobedience as it was upon Israel. Each one of us will stand alone before God to give an account of our lives, our choices, and how we responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Wow. So that is 1 Kings 13. What are you personally taking home from this strange story today? Is there perhaps a doctrine? What truths have you learned or been reminded of today? What about reproof? Which mistakes, if any, have you identified that need to be corrected in your life? We spoke about tests in our lives today. How are you dealing with tests in your life? What about correction or adjustments? Huh? As you heard today's story, have you been alerted to any corrections or adjustments that you need to bring about in your life? Have you become aware of something that you need to do or something that you need to stop doing? What about instruction? Have you been encouraged to do something that is right? Is there a new behavior or practice that you need to bring into your life? My brothers and sisters, may the tale of these two prophets and the picture of a lion and a donkey standing in wake for a man who came under God's judgment remind us and encourage us to live under the authority of God and not under our own will, our own comfort zone, not under what somebody said, an angel said. <laughs> Let's live under the authority of God. Amen? Listen, true freedom, true joy, and true peace come by living under the authority of God, living by the word of God, by knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior, and by daily, listen, every day, daily, 
allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. Amen. It is time to stay close to God, doing His will, being led by the Holy Spirit, walking with Jesus every day. Amen. Let's stand and let us pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father God, I pray that you will help us not to forget this, this mental picture of that lion and that donkey and a dead prophet under judgment. We don't want to be in that position one day, God. We want to rejoice in your presence. We want to hear from you the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Help us, Lord, to live our lives in such a way that when we do see you face to face, those are the words that we will hear. We do not want to waste the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross by doing our own thing, Lord, but rather we want to live according to your way. So, Lord, speak to our hearts, I pray. Speak to my heart, speak to my brothers and sisters here, those online, Lord, those hearing this message right now. Lord, speak to our hearts, Lord God. Remove any deceit, see if there's any way in us, Lord God, that needs to be changed, that needs to be corrected. Any new truths we have to apply, Lord God. Help us, Father God, so that we may live lives that are pleasing to you and lives with true joy, true peace, Lord God. And so I thank you for this time together. I pray your blessing upon your people, Lord God. So now may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us daily, enabling us to live under the authority of God for his glory. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you. Give you a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and we'll catch you again next Sunday. But before that, see you Friday for a lecture worship time. Amen. God bless you. Amen.